My name is Tom Chick. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast, where we talk to the people who make the forum what it is about the games that matter to them. Today we have with us Gabe Lewis. That's his forum name. Uh, Gabe, your actual name is Gabriel Mikalski. Did I say that right? Uh, actually, you didn't. We, it's Michalski. Michalski, yeah. We, you've even told me the C-H, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, does anyone ever call you Gabriel? Uh, not really. Uh, it used to be on the first day of school, everybody would call, the teachers would call me Gabrielle, which never made any... <laughs> Because yeah. that's the female form. Yeah, but it never made any sense to me because, like, Gabrielle has two L's and an E. It's spelled completely <laughs> differently. And for some reason, everybody just assumed that I was a girl. So That's that's awesome, the things that traumatize us that we remember most about our names as as kids. Like, I grew yeah. up with uh, with Chick, and right. you can imagine what, what I got out of that. But the one that stuck with me most was somebody taking my first name, Tom, and running with the idiom about every Tom, Dick, and Harry does blah, blah, blah. You know, there's that idiom. Mm -hmm. And from that, they thought it was really funny to run around and say, Tom's dick is Harry. <laughs> that, that one traumatized that's, me. So That's, uh, that's great. We so I, I won't call you Gabrielle. <laughs> okay, please don't. Uh, yeah, everybody calls me Gabe. Now, uh, tell me where you live. What I live in uh, Los Angeles, uh, specifically Venice. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. You live in L.A.? Yeah. I don't it's think I knew that about you. Have, how come we've never, like, like met or hung out or done that? God, I, I'm constantly surprised discovering people that live in, in L.A. because I feel this sense that everyone's on quarter to three. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a, because it's a small community. Right. It's kind of like a, like a buddy, and the only reason I haven't met these people in person is because they live a, a long ways off. So we're neighbors, basically. Yeah, what part of Los Angeles are you in? Well, I'm I'm way I used to live in North Hollywood. Now I'm way north into Hunga. Oh, great. Uh, so yeah, we're actually not neighbors. <laughs> not neighbors at yeah, all. Yeah, not neighbors at much. So you live in in Venice, huh? Yeah. Do you have some awesome rent-controlled apartment, or do you have a house out there? What kind of place do you no, live? No, no. Right now I'm uh, living with my folks and working. So the rent situation must be awesome. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's uh, and when you say you're so. Oh, when when I picture Venice too, are you in one of those really cool <laughs> uh, beach house kind of things where you get up in the morning and you go out and you surf on the beach right out your front door? No, I don't surf. See, I'm really not built for LA in any way, shape, or form. So, <laughs> so I live in Venice, which you know I, I I'm a musician, so I have to drive everywhere when I play music, and uh, and, and that's. That's your job. You make a living as a no, musician. No, I, I don't. I oh. don't make a music, uh, living as a musician. I've, I have been paid once or twice to uh, to make music, but in general, I, I don't get paid. And are you with a band, or do you do like class? So I say musician means many different things. My next-door yeah. neighbor is a professional oboe player. Uh, like, that's one kind of musician. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people who, like, play bass in a, in a band that does bars and stuff. Where on that spectrum do you fall? Uh, well, yeah, I'm in a in a band, so to speak. Uh, I was in a band that was going very seriously for a while that broke up in January, right after we sold a song to Showtime. So, oh, ouch! Wow. Yeah. So we broke up for uh, some probably pretty good reasons, and uh, now I make music with my brother. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what is your your terrible day job that you have to do to make a living? Uh, I work at a place called uh, CinemaNow.com, which is kind of like a uh, 
a Netflix sort of thing, except you only download movies. That's probably why you're like, well, maybe you are a movie guy, so that's why you got that job, or you got that job and became a movie guy. But I think of you as one of those uh, guys active in the movies subforum. Right. I sort of am. I mean, I'm not the most active forum member to begin with, but I, I do like the movies. And I think that's also partly mandatory when you live in Los Angeles. Yes, absolutely. Part of the city. Although, you know, most of my friends uh, are kind of silly about the movies, don't really know what they're talking about. So. What kind of friend? You need new friends, Gabe. You need to come hang out with us. Come sure. to Shoe Club on Thursday nights. You have an open invitation. Awesome. Anytime you want to drive up to Tahunga, we're total movie dorks and game dorks, and we can replace your goofy friends who don't yeah. know anything about movies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as long as I am still in L.A. anyway, I'm, I'm planning on moving kind of soon. So. What? Where are you going? Uh, probably uh, Chicago. Wow. Why would yeah. you want to do that? Now, that's, that's interesting to me. When I first moved to L.A., mm-hmm. it was a huge accident, and I had every intention of going to Chicago, but something right. happened last minute. I ended up in L.A., and I have, I'm extremely glad for a variety of reasons, but why would you want to go from L.A. to Chicago? Uh, you know, it, it, a lot of it is the is the music thing. Like, I, I don't really connect with the music scene in Los Angeles, Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I really don't like the culture of driving around all the time, um, being separated from every part of the city, no matter which part of the city you're in, you know. Right. So a lot of it, uh, the sort of L.A. lifestyle kind of bugs me and I'd like to try something else. So. Mm-hmm. And also uh, uh, my girlfriend's going to try grad school out there. So. Oh, now, Gabe, nice try. You buried the lead, and I'm not following following for it. You're what? moving to Chicago because of a girl. Oh, no, no. <laughs> See, I convinced her that Chicago was a good idea. She lives in London right now. Oh, it's sort of like meeting halfway. It could have been yeah. far worse. You could have been yes. in the Azores or something. Okay. <laughs> good. How is it, if I may ask, uh, this might be a little too personal, how is it that a guy in L.A. comes to date a girl in London? Uh, well, she moved to London while we were dating. Ah, we, oh, that sucks. Okay. We're, we're, we're actually totally high school sweethearts, and she graduated uh, from UCLA and was like, I'm going to go live in London for a while. Is she British? Or uh, yeah, yeah. Her, her, uh, she was born out there. And uh, So big thumbs up for having a girlfriend with a cool accent, by the way. I can well, imagine. you know what? Uh, so I'm just going to shoot down everything you say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She only has an accent when she talks to other British people. Oh, she's like one of those chameleon types, like she kind of loses it in America? Exactly. Oh, okay, well, that's too bad. All right, well. <laughs> well, uh, I hope that works out. I, I, we'd hate to lose you. I, I just I just now discovered I had a new friend in L.A., and you're not even going to be here much longer. Huh? Well, you know, I'll, I'll definitely try and come out. It's kind of fun. I don't really have a lot of gamer friends, to be honest. I have, like, two, and uh, one of them only plays uh on the xbox so well well also to warn you and, and by the way any and i mean this sincerely anyone in los angeles drop me a, a pm i would love to meet you and you are anyone in los angeles on thursday nights you are welcome to come hang out with us at my house none of us are hardcore gamers i mean we're all perfectly familiar with games we mainly talk about we talk a lot about movies um and nobody's super good, but it's just a casual hangout with other geeks on Thursday nights. So anybody in L.A., if you're interested in hanging out with us on a Thursday night, drop me a PM. And Gabe, anytime you want to make the drive, I'd love yeah. for you to come up. So. Sure. 
so I, I am curious, before we talk about the game you want to talk about, mm-hmm. tell me a bit about the kind of music that you play, and what, what instrument do you play? Okay, well, I'm a singer and a sort of dabbling guitar player, and uh, the band I was in was kind of like indie rock in general, and uh, after that broke up, I... Since it's only me and my brother now, we were we were in the band together, but the band sort of dissolved around us. We uh, do more acoustic-based stuff. Um, we're working on a couple-song EP right now that we're recording right in my garage. Ah, real that, garage recording. <laughs> yeah, that our uh, that our old drummer is producing and is we're gonna go a a, a different route with it uh, in the mixing stage than we normally do. So. Should end up being interesting or sucking. Who knows? Now, can you elaborate on that, or is that a trade secret kind of thing? No. Well, you know, normally uh, you you know do all your recording in uh, Pro Tools or whatever you know sort of interface you have, and uh, you know mix in Pro Tools and and do all the editing. And we're gonna actually bounce it all out to Ableton Live, and he's gonna go kind of nuts with it. <laughs> And for if you don't know, Ableton Live is just a uh, another sort of music interface, but it's mainly for doing sort of electronic music. So I thought so. No joke. I thought Ableton Live was some sort of like remote engineer that you were going to Skype or something. Oh, no, no. <laughs> OK, I see. Uh, now, one of the really cool things about being in a band, I would think, and I say this as someone who's never been in one. I can't play an instrument to save my life. One of the cool things about being in a band is you get to come up with a name. Oh God, yeah, that's really hard too. So what have you what have you come up with? Okay, well our our old band was Other People. Okay. And, uh, before that we were Lysias. What is Lysias? Lysias like, is I th- I think it means like a fox in Lithuania. <laughs> that's so awesome. That could be completely apocryphal, but um, <laughs> it was also the name of uh, a guy we went to high school with named Rob Lysias. That is very cool. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that could be utter, utter crap, but who knows? Yeah, I, w- I would verify that, uh, Gabe, before you yeah. do something like get it tattooed on you. Oh, I, I would <laughs> never do that. Yeah, that's actually my favorite band name that I've, that we've ever had and sadly had to give it up at a certain point. Just, uh, yeah. So, so something that I wonder about again, being a guy who's never been in a band and who can't play an instrument to save his life, this, this English girl, did did you partly court her by playing guitar and singing for her? Yes or no? Uh yeah. Aha. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, you guys are so so predictable. You guys yeah. are so shallow and superficial. I can't believe ugh, playing a guitar to get a chick. Good lord. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah. I'm just jealous. Yeah. Uh, when this gets posted, I'll uh, post some links to some stuff that I've got. Cool. I'm I'm not gonna. Uh, you'll be glad to know I'm not gonna ask you to sing. Uh, Great. But, but not because I'm not tempted to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't do it. So unless you wanted to record afterwards, and I'll go grab my guitar. But I will not go acapella on this podcast. Actually, uh, you're. I don't know if you're joking, but I would love to. After we record, like, would that come through on Skype? Like, if you were to just sit there with your guitar, and... it might. Uh, we could try it if, if you want okay. to hear something. I'll, I'll I'll definitely give it a shot. I definitely do. So I'm 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 going to hold you to that uh, for the end of the podcast. Serenading uh, Tom yeah. Chick. <laughs> no, 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 not like that. You're serenading quarter to three. Okay, at great. Large. <laughs> okay, I'll now, try really hard not to suck then. Well, uh, tell me how you got into video games. 
Well, you know, I we we I'm you know I'm 23, and I just sort of grew up in a time where you know, video, everybody had a video game console in their house or their neighbor had one. So you know, we had a Nintendo pretty early, and we had a, a, a an 86 Macintosh computer that had like some might and magic game that I don't even remember the name of. So I, you know, I kind of was always playing games just mm-hmm. even as like a three year old. So what was, do you remember the, like, like what was the first game you remember that made a, a strong impression on you? Ooh, that's an interesting noise. Um, Oh, that's, that's me. I'm sorry. That's me opening the window. So my cat doesn't yowl because he wants okay. to get out the window. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, first game I can remember playing has to be probably like, Maybe Duck Hunt or, or Mario, but I'm sure there was stuff before that that is, is slipping my mind. Okay, so but yeah, you go back to those old classics. Yeah, Brickle was on our Mac Mac computer. I remember. I don't even know what that is. Brickle? It's 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 sort of like Arkanoid. Okay. Oh right, like bricks. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's an Arkanoid clone. Yeah. So yeah, ours was called Brickle, and I'm sure everybody had a different name for it. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so the game that you want to talk about today, let's see, I'm going to do some quick math. You're 23, this game came out in 97, that means you were four years old when yeah. Baldur's Gate came out. That, that's the, that's my math capacity. That's four and my a half. Ability. Yeah, four and a half, excuse me, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't round, I rounded down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the game you want to talk about today is Baldur's Gate. So let me ask, one of the things that I generally want to ask folks when they mention a game is why on earth do they want to talk about it? But I'm guessing that part of the reason that you want to talk about Baldur's Gate is because here you were, an impressionable 13-year-old, a 13-year-old kid, yeah. uh, and this must have blown your mind at 13 years old. Is that correct? Like, is that part of your experience with Baldur's Gate as being an, an adolescent and, and discovering this rich world? You know, uh, not exactly. When I first got it, my friend uh, who who ended up living with us like three or four times just because, you know, he had family issues, but... His his dad would just sort of drop him off for the weekend, every weekend, for every summer while I was a kid. And he would bring stuff over, and at a certain point, he started getting into PC games, and he, he brought over Baldur's Gate. And he would play it, and uh, play it in a very strange way, because it's like a, it's a party-based game. And uh, I would just sort of watch him play it for hours, and I when I tried to play it myself, I thought it was terrible and boring, and I didn't understand it. But it sort of challenged me to to figure out what was absorbing my friend so much, and eventually I, I really got into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this would have been when it came out then. This would have been yeah, it was actually I think, although I don't you know I don't remember the date specifically. I wasn't really following the media until a couple of years later. So then at that one of the things that is fascinating to me about Baldur's Gate is the context in which it came out, uh, namely. Uh, it seems like RPGs were kind of on the decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had just had uh, Diablo released, which yeah. you know, that was blowing people's mind. And that was oh, yeah. changing what what it meant to be called an RPG. Yeah, uh, Ultima Online had just come out. Uh, so, were you an RPG fan at that point? Uh, sort of. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Diablo because I actually totally forgot that that was the other game that he brought over, and I was like, why would you play this Baldur's Gate? <laughs> When you could just slam demons with a sword. <laughs> so, yeah, I was actually playing Diablo also at the time and and loving that. And, there, were, you know, at the time when I was playing Diablo online a little bit and uh, people were doing all these crazy hacks. So it sort of turned into its own version of this crazy game. But 
People were doing crazy hacks for, for Diablo, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I would go play that game, and I'd be online, and it would look nothing like what I had been playing on my own when I was ah. playing, because people would be, like, level 50 in the starting town, and... Right, right. And, like, shooting a thousand lightning bolts at each other, and it was kind of entertaining. Well, now, I have to say, Gabe, that makes me even more fascinated that you would eventually make the transition to uh, to Baldur's Gate. Because I think of a, a 13-year-old kid, and I think my math is right there. You must have been about 13. Uh, maybe uh, a little bit younger, but yeah. That even more so then, I would think that the kind of attention span, and maybe I'm just saying you know, I'm, I'm being too general with you know the idea that, that younger kids have smaller attention spans yeah. but I would think that the transition from something as action-oriented and as insidiously designed to pull you forward as Diablo mm-hmm. that, that it would be tough to break out of in a way the gravity of that to go over to, to Baldur's Gate uh, so tell me a bit about how that happened well you know I think it happened really gradually like I, I played it uh, a little bit you know, at the time, and then, like, a couple months later, I reinstalled it and played it, and then a couple months later again, and eventually it sort of, the the whole concept grew on me. Like, when I first, when my friend was first explaining to me, like, the D&D rules, I thought they were so asinine. Oh, so you weren't even a D&D player? Like, you no, weren't doing not at paper all. roll? I, I see. In fact, like, I didn't really know a whole lot about how D&D worked until rather recently when a friend of mine tried to enroll me in a uh, D&D game that never panned out. But um, <laughs> An actual tabletop D&D. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't do those, Gabe. That, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you just turn into some sort of unlovable troll of a person i guess when you it play just this. takes yeah. it takes such a it's so easy nowadays to jump into a video game yeah. that jumping into live tabletop role-playing <laughs> games i don't understand how people i mean god bless people who can do yeah. that but i just that seems so foreign to me uh it's, it's very strange although the person who was trying to enroll me in it is like uh a, a seriously weird man so i think it would be kind <laughs> of entertaining <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you you come into Baldur's Gate. You're not into D and D. You have to deal, for instance, with that whole weird counterintuitive thing about the lower the number for the armor class, the better. Yeah. Like all of those things are new to you. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Did, do you remember uh, any? Was there ever a moment? You mentioned it's a long term process. Was there ever a moment where you remember something clicking? Where you remember something? Some early cool thing where you thought, I really like this game and I want to keep playing it. Well, for me, what really dug me into the game and uh, I think is kind of the reason it still sticks with me is is the is the party dynamic and the traveling sort of system that they have. And, you know, when Baldur's Gate 2 came out, the one thing that the developers were like, we're never doing that again, is the, how the traveling worked. And really, that's what I almost loved the most about it. In, in that game, you know, you've got these uh, sort of hubs that are separated by these sort of wilderness tracks mm-hmm. and when you walk off of the edge of a map the the voice comes up and would you like to gather your party and venture forth or whatever and then you in order to get to like the next town you have to travel through two wilderness sections and you know it, it had a very literary feel for me at the time when I was sort of you know just starting to get into Tolkien and stuff like that 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 really uh, grabbed me, just the sort of sense of, of having to walk somewhere. That That is lovely, Gabe, because you are right. That is such a part of Tolkien, yeah. is the, the travelogue element. And it seems yeah. like 
like so many RPGs, like that's one of the things that Dragon Age does is it completely streamlines out any sense of geography where one place is in relation to another. And, you know, you might as well cross the map, you know, diagonally its full length as step over to the next city. It doesn't even make any difference. No, it doesn't at all. Uh, so, so the traveling, you would actually physically, because I know Baldur's Gate is composed of tactical size maps. Like, you would actually yeah. have to walk across a rendered 2D map of wilderness? Yeah, well, you would only have to do it once. So, the first time, let's say, in, in the beginning of the game, you start in a town called Candlekeep, and then you eventually uh, travel to, I can't remember the name of the other city, but you travel there and... The first time you go, you have to travel through the wilderness maps, and then if you want to travel back, you can just skip those. It'll ah. take the amount of time that you it would have uh, originally, but it'll skip those maps. Well, I think then of the way Fallout 3 did it, and I'm sure it's more recent. There are other better examples, but that's the one that comes to mind more recently, is that once you discover a point by physically walking there, yeah. you, can, you can fast travel. And I guess Oblivion, like isn't that how that worked? Sort uh, of. I mean, the map isn't open in this game. Okay. Would you, oh, so it, it it's moving you from one place to another yeah, in a specific it's, it's, order. It's, it's yeah, it's it's uh, not in a specific order, but you have these sort of um, you know, map sections. It's it's actually a little bit like Dragon Age, except the maps themselves are a lot larger. Okay. So you'll have a town and then a wilderness section that's kind of like just a, a large square of wilderness, and then when you get to the edge of that square of wilderness, you'll be at you'll travel to the next point that you want to go to. Now, why did Bioware say they would never do that again? Did it not? Did people complain about this? You know, I'll bet they did. I, you know, I wasn't following the media at the time, and you know, forums weren't a part of. Oh, uh, true. Life. Yeah, but um, I, I have to assume that people were upset about having to do that. I thought it was great, but you know, what? What do I know? I was in middle school. <laughs> you were a little kid. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing you mentioned, uh, and I think this is something that, that BioWare has all along been really good at, yeah. uh, is the party system. And right. I, know I presume do you mean the, in, the relationships between the party members, or what, what do you what Well, do you mean? actually, I never cared about that stuff in particular. Uh, and this is kind of, I guess this gets into sort of the main reason I wanted to talk about this game, is um, the, the relationships with, between the party members didn't really exist for me in the sort of mechanics of the game itself. Like, I never really connected with the characters on, like, a dialogue level. And really, in the first Baldur's Gate, there's really no interaction between them. There'll be, like, a brief sort of little side thing, but you don't really have conversations at all. Oh, okay. And there are so, none of the, are there romance subplots? Like, is that a later in addition as well? By the second game, there's definitely romance subplots, and I believe there might be a little bit in the first, but uh, I, I I couldn't tell you to to be honest. Okay, so but that wasn't the hook for you then? No, the the hook with the party members was that all of that stuff was taking place in my imagination, <laughs> and I think the the thing that sticks with me about Baldur's Gate is how much of that game is not on the screen. And for me, a, a lot of what made that stuff powerful was just it forcing me to use my imagination to sort of bring the scene to life. Because the animations in that game are, uh, you know, to if you have a fighter, he just sort of swings his sword over and over again. And he be, maybe hits and he maybe doesn't. Most of the time he probably misses. But, you know, it, when you when you have... 3D games, all of that stuff is rendered, so everything that, that you know is on screen is is sort of this uh, 
pre-animated thing and you never have to use your imagination for any of it. But in the sort of like to, this top down world, you really did have to use your imagination or risk being bored out of your mind. You know what, Gabe, you know what's kind of sad to me is to hear you say this is that you would have been an ideal candidate at that age for playing pen and paper tabletop RPGs. Oh it's, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's kind of sad. I mean, it's great that you came to it, but you're one of the lost who because you got into computer games, probably never played a, a tabletop game, because that's exactly the sort of thing that when I was your age and was playing D&D that I craved and that I loved about that is the, yeah. is the stuff that wasn't on the screen because there was no screen. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was all your imagination. And I think, you know, you think of 13-year-olds today who come to RPGs, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's all there for them. You know, in a way, it doesn't have to engage their imagination. No, not at all. And I, I, I'm curious as to how the sort of next generation of, of gamers sort of has has that relationship with their games. Because for me, a lot of games growing up really did take place in my imagination, even if even if I was, you know, on a computer and there was right. a, a large graphical interface. And you know what else that makes me wonder about, Gabe? And I, I hate for us to sound like a couple of old guys talking about kids nowadays. Yeah. But it makes me wonder when a kid who's 13 years old, who never had to deal with engaging his imagination the way you and I did, when he grows up, what kind of creative impulse is he going to have? Like, you're a musician, I'm a writer. Uh, I wonder if that stymies the, the drive to create things. If, if you haven't had your imagination as a kid, if you haven't had to marshal it and engage it to create new worlds and to help you play games. Uh, so yeah. It's an interesting thought, but I, I think it, you know, it, it may end up being a moot point. I, you know, as, as long as kids are playing games, I think they'll they'll there'll be some sort of imagination involved. Because sure. you know, you eventually do turn the game off and uh, have to entertain yourself without it. So. Right. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, did you play then? So, here's another question. Mm-hmm. Can you tell the story of Baldur's Gate? Like, can you say, okay, this happened, and this happened, and then this happens at the end? Did, did, uh, it, did it stand out for you in that regard? Okay, so here, here's the part where I admit that, that I've never actually beaten the game. <laughs> You're a dilettante like me. <laughs> I've, I've never beaten the game. Uh, I, I beat Baldur's Gate 2, mm-hmm. and uh, I almost beat Throne of Ball, which is the expansion that sort of closes out the entire series. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I did watch my dad beat it which was kind of a strange way to uh, see the ending of that game. But I, I can sort of tell the story, but I, I don't know it back to front. Well, wait, so no, this brings up another question. So your father was playing Baldur's Gate at the same time as you, or was this a later on thing? It was, I think it was, it sort of fell in the periods where I had stopped playing it. And there, you know, he, uh, he plays games on and off, but when he plays games, he can't stop. Ah, he, right. He like will just play for hours and like lose an entire day of whatever. He just has this sort of like weirdly addictive personality when it comes to games. And uh... now, when you watched the end of Baldur's Gate, was this sort of a resignation on your part to never getting to the end yourself? No, you know, I actually always kind of burn out on that game by the time I get to the end because there's all this stuff to do that really has nothing to do with you know getting to the end and killing Saravok, which is the the villain of the whole plot. And really the entire point of the game is go stab this guy, basically. <laughs> right. But, right. you know, it, it, it tells that in an interesting way anyway, but, um, 
I usually, you know, I'll spend, I, I, I'm sure I've logged over uh, 200 hours into that game, probably, maybe even more than that, just because I've, I've played it so many times throughout my life, because mm-hmm. I, I, I do tend to come back to it a lot. But I, you know, I never really get that far into the plot. I always get to the, so I guess I can explain a little bit of the plot if you'd like to set. Yep, and I'm curious too, when you say that it's all about stabbing this guy at the end and it tells that in an interesting way, mm-hmm. I'm curious what, what you mean by that as well. Okay, so, so the game starts out and you, your, uh, your character, uh, who you get to design using D&D rules, um, lives in a town called Candlekeep and you have sort of a, uh, father figure who is who you know isn't your father by the name of Gorion who's a wizard and uh on the day that the game starts in the town of Candlekeep Gorion uh is saying we're going to go travel somewhere uh get ready and he seems kind of worried and this is also told through like a big uh, uh, speech at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. and then you uh you meet up with Gorion and you can do one or two things in the town it's not a very good tutorial uh, but if you wanted to do it, you could. And then you go into the forest, and then the sort of like pre-rendered uh, in-game thing happens, where uh, a guy in black armor comes up with a couple ogres and a lady with acid darts or something, and kills Garion. And Garion's like, "Get the hell out of here!" And then the game starts. You're mm-hmm. alone. You're banished from the town of Candlekeep, and uh, your only friend from the town has followed you and you go off on this quest together and you have like a couple of clues as to where you should go. Garion leaves you a letter. If you find his body that says, you know, go meet up with my friends or, and eventually you end up going to this town. Yeah. I'm going to start getting kind of long winded about it. If I (laughs) going on, but it's a long story, but eventually you find out that, uh, all of this is being engineered by some group called the Iron Throne, who's messing with the ore in in this world. You know, it's a Forgotten Realms game. You said the ore? Yeah, they're uh, they're corrupting the ore, and it's affecting trade or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of moot, really. And so they're. And you say to- it's kind of moot, but I can't help but think of things like you know, like unobtainium and Avatar, like this right. whole idea that. Uh, you know, resources give areas strategic importance, and right. and I, when you when you talk about corrupting ore, I'm thinking that's kind of like a cool strategic point, maybe. Right. Uh, yeah, you go at the first like the first major quest is you go like raid uh, this mine that's been taken over by kobolds, which are these mm-hmm. little hamster type things. Oh please, Gabe! I have a D and D background. Yeah. I, I I know what kobolds are. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was, I, I was doing it for the wider audience. <laughs> has more D and D experience than me. So, so there's yeah. the, the the raid on the mine, and the kobolds are there. And, yeah. And, and this sort of leads you t- into into uh, finding this group called the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, uh, all of the all of your travels leads you to Baldur's Gate. It's sort of an all roads lead to Baldur's Gate kind of thing. And Baldur's oh, actually, what is, is Baldur's Gate a city? Yes, it's a city. It's a it's the biggest city in the game. It's like six different sections, and uh, it's actually it's quite large uh, when you sort of look at it on paper. Mm-hmm. And um, you uh, they eventually uh, through your heroic actions decide to open Baldur's Gate because it's been closed due to this sort of iron shortage. I guess is the is the issue. That's sort of go, affecting the world that you're in. 
Mm-hmm. So you sort of solve the iron shortage. They let you into Baldur's Gate, and you sort of have to figure out why the Iron Throne is doing what it's doing. And, you know, this is kind of where I stop playing the game, usually, is when I get to Baldur's Gate. But I know at the end you find out that Saravok, the guy who killed Garion, is uh, what is called a ball spawn. He's the child of the Lord of Murder and that you're his brother. So you are also a child ah. of the Lord of Murder. And, you know, that'd be a really cool thing to be a lord of, I think. But um, <laughs> So you find out that all the ball spawn are fighting to become the new lord of murder because ball is dead or fell asleep or something, you know. So here's the thing, Gabe, is I think when when you talk about that reveal at the end, yeah. I can't help these days but think, oh, that's so cliched. Bioware always does that. But back then, that must have been such a cool thing to discover. Yeah. And uh, uh, just a correction, it, actually, the developer, I believe, was Black Isle at the time. Oh, you know what? I, that's another thing, too, is I constantly confuse, like, the whole Black Isle, Bioware lineage. Uh, right. they're, they're all tumbled together. So, so Baldur's Gate was developed by Black Isle. Right, which okay. was, I think, published by Interplay. I might be wrong about the relationship. No, I, I do know that I'm pretty sure that Interplay was, like, a, a constant throughout all of the Baldur's Gate uh, uh, Fallout and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Planescape Torment things. Right. But otherwise, like, who developed what? Is a is a huge tangle to me. Yeah. So th- thanks for the correction. Yeah, and I played pretty much all of those games except for Planescape Torment, which I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of grief for. Yeah, uh, that's supposed to be the uh, best written one. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to go back. But you know, again, I never played those games for the writing. So now, uh, do you, when's the last time you tried to play Baldur's Gate? Uh, last year. Okay, so there's ah. there's this really cool thing for anybody who either wants to get into the series or wants to come back to it, there's a mod out um, that links all three games. It links Baldur's Gate to Baldur's Gate 2 to the Throne of Ball so that you can play them all as a single game in the same engine. Oh. And it's really, really cool, and my, my plan was to start at the beginning and play all the way through to the end. This didn't happen <laughs> for... You know, the obvious reason I've never beaten this game. <laughs> I haven't even beaten the first one. But, I, you know, I've played all three games close to completion. And now, uh, so I, last I year, really wanted to do this mod, and I, I didn't end up quite meeting my goal. <laughs> but How far did you make it? I, I made it to the town of Baldur's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, right? Your normal yeah. stopping point. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask then, uh, because I know you play a lot of contemporary games, going back to Baldur's Gate, one, basically, how did it hold up? What were the things that bothered you, and what were the things that you thought still really worked? Uh, you know, the things that bother me are kind of the, th- the same things that bothered me as a kid, which was that the the sort of interface for which you look at the game it, is kind of lackluster. There's sort of a very cool painting quality of the maps, but then your characters aren't very customizable. Mm-hmm. You know, you put on a, a, a suit of chain mail, and it basically looks like a suit of plate mail, you know. <laughs> That's where your imagination is supposed to come yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a huge hypocrite, I guess, when it comes to... Uh, well, but to yeah. be fair, though, that's that's an expectation we have these days, yeah. is there should be some visual indicator as your character changes. Yeah. That's almost part of the reward that you expect for getting better gear. Yeah. Yeah, I was really excited when Oblivion was going to come out, because I'd played a little bit of Morrowind and couldn't really get into it just because of just the way the game played. But I was, but I really liked how they did uh, your suiting. Like you could, if you wanted, you could wear a, a full 
suit of like plate mail and then like just put a cloak over it and just like wear a robe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you play any MMOs, by the way? No. So one of the things, I, I can't speak authoritatively about many of them, but one of them that I love is Lord of the Rings Online. Oh, and yeah. I, I just love the fact that you have, and I, I think this is common to MMOs, but you, you have your gear that gives you your stats, but mm-hmm. then you also have different costumes you can wear. So right. I'm pretty meticulous about when I'm fighting. Yeah. I have a hotkey for this. When I'm fighting, I change to where it shows my gear. But when yeah. I come into town, I have a couple of different dresses I like to wear <laughs> on the occasion. Which right. are, are you, are you, do you have a female character? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a chick elf, yes. You're, and, and you're not just, a transgendered uh, elf? Uh Wait, I think I I'm not sure what that means, but because I'm a dude playing a chick elf, does that make me transgender? No, I was gonna say if you were a a dude elf who wears dresses. Oh no, <laughs> I'm an elven Eddie Izzard. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's technically a transvestite, but you know if you identify as a woman, then you're transgender. So. Yeah, th- this is this is getting a little too creepy for me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's weird enough that I'm a dude playing a chick elf, and that I'm so attached to the particular dresses that I've won for. <laughs> So, yeah, I had to do, like, a whole summer festival. It's a time sink that they add into the game that's right. themed to different seasons, and I know WoW has all this. So I, the stuff that I did to get my favorite summer dress, I'm not proud of, Gabe. <laughs> but, <laughs> but by God, I'm going to wear that dress. Yeah. So, okay. uh, so I, I hear what you're saying when you talk about, you know, the, the outfitting system in Oblivion right. and how that must have been disappointing. That must yeah. be hard when you go like, back to Baldur's yeah. Definitely in Morrowind, you could like you could put on a glove and like uh, an arm piece, and then have a completely different suit of armor that didn't match the glove or the arm piece, and you could get to that sort of level of detail, which I found entertaining. Now, when you uh, when you are playing Baldur's Gate One, uh, is your character just? Uh, I, I think of the pains they go to in Dragon Age to mm-hmm. build your character into the storyline. Right. And to give your character backstory and, and a, to really create a sense of investment in this creation that you've made, as well as all the other NPCs. Yeah. Uh, is the original Baldur's Gate that rich, or is your character just sort of a placeholder with a mysterious background? I would say it's closer to the placeholder with the mysterious background. I, I think there's a you know a little bit of characterization that you can do, but there's no real like good evil system aside from the sort of D and D thing like. One thing that was kind of cool, the first time uh, I played through it, I played as a ranger. Mm-hmm. And if you are, you, I, I think rangers can only be in the good alignment. I think they can pick any one, but they have to be good. And um, I was uh, doing lots of evil things. I was murdering lots of people. And at a certain point, my reputation got so low that they changed my class from ranger to fallen ranger. Whoa. Which was kind of badass, but I lost my ranger powers. <laughs> well, you must have gotten something to make up for that. A fallen ranger must be able to do some awesome things, no, I, I would think. I don't think so. I think it was just... It was I to punish think, you. I think it was just a punishment. Ah, because they can't really do that these days. They have to, like, take something away and give you something different. Oh, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. So I, what were some of the things uh, that you really thought held up going back to this, what, what 10-year-old game? I, I, I just think the, the sort of entire system works for me on a on a on a sort of general level you know the game sort of can prod you along through the story mm-hmm. but it never really kind of makes you go do it at any at any point you if you if you want to just sort of wander around the wilderness and and explore a bunch of caves and do as many side quests as you can you can do that for for a really really long time and i always found that really entertaining 
Do you remember, Gabe, how they deal with the issue of the sort of power curve where for the story missions, there's going to be a set challenge level. But what happens if you've been out adventuring in the world, getting a lot of extra experience? Does that make the story missions too easy or do they auto scale? Do you know the answer to that? I don't know the answer offhand. Okay. I, I, I think uh, just if 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 I had to guess, I would say there's no scaling. Because that, yeah, I'm I'm assuming that that might be a, a later invention to those kind of RPGs. Because I know what in Oblivion, wh- how that that really aff- affected some people's ability to enjoy the game. Right. Is that is that all the encounters were dynamic and they would be as you know they would scale to difficulty and that would create some weird things and you oh, know yeah. get bandits with super badass armor and uh, yeah. Oh, I absolutely hated that. Yeah, that that drove me nuts when I was playing that game. I think a key to to that working is if you don't know about it, because I I that did not bother me until mm-hmm. until I started reading about people complaining about it and started noticing, oh yeah, yeah, wait a minute. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I think I noticed that on my own and was just like, why why is that armor green? That's a bandit. He should be in rags. <laughs> uh, so did you 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 say you did move on and play? So there was Baldur's Gate. There was an expansion for that. Then there was Baldur's Gate two. An expansion for that. Right. Uh, were you? Uh, did you go through and play all of those? Oh, I think you said mm-hmm. you. Did you say you finished Throne of Ball? Oh, no, you didn't quite finish Throne of Ball. I did. Yeah, I I finished uh, Baldur's Gate two, and right. I and I finished Throne of. I almost finished Throne of Ball. I got to the last boss fight, and I I, I hate boss fights with a passion <laughs> in general, and in in an RPG like that, especially they're irritating because I I do believe they were sort of like. A gimmick. That's the thing that always gets me with boss fights is the gimmicks. But um, I think there was some sort of gimmick in in the last fight and throwing the ball. But yeah, we got really did, close. Did Baldur's Gate two tie in much other than the setting to Baldur's Gate one? Were there nods to the story or whatnot to people? Oh, who absolutely. Them? If you're supposed to be the same character in Baldur's Gate two. Oh. So this is why that mod is so cool because it it you can actually play the same person all the way until the end of the story. So in in the second Baldur's Gate, uh, there's this evil uh, elf wizard who wants to steal your ball essence, which sounds kind of hilarious. <laughs> but just remember, there's an H in it. There, it's not. It's not <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. And two A's, I believe, yeah, or are they? Yeah, right. <laughs> so he wants to steal your ball essence and uh, become a ball spawn. And now, wasn't Throne of Ball notoriously difficult? I mean, I guess it was all that high-level content. Like, it was high-level creatures, high-level spells. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, from from what I remember, uh, Baldur's Gate is the hardest of the series. The first one? Yes. Okay. Uh, just in terms of, of, you know, difficulty for the player. Like, uh, especially if you play as a wizard, I believe, you get one spell a day, basically, at the beginning of the game. I'm sure you're familiar with oh, yeah. how first level characters are in D and D. But if you're, you know, alone and it's and it's a wizard and a thief for the opening part of the game, it can be really, really difficult, especially if you don't take on some of the suggested early level characters. What and you were how was the ranger? Is the ranger pretty simple to actually so when you went back to replay, mm-hmm. uh was it as a ranger? Uh I, I played it as, as a number of different classes. I tend to lean towards fighters and pretty much all RPGs, but um, the one thing I do remember is that uh, bow, bows and arrows are way, way overpowered in that game. So I probably had a had an easier time than most. Mm-hmm. 
And it's the same sort of party-based structure too, though, where you're controlling multiple characters and yeah, six. Uh, okay, six characters. Six characters. Yes. Did you play Dragon Age? Yeah, I pl- I, I I played a bit of it. Yeah. Because it seems like fo- I remember in Dragon Age. So I should say too, Dragon Age is the first. Like I've I've dabbled in all of those RPGs all along. You know, I've I've never finished any of them like you. Oh well, you finished uh, Baldur's Gate too, but I never finished. And I've played. Planescape, but never finished it. Right. Uh, I think Dragon Age is the first from that group of RPGs that I actually got through to the end. Uh, right. And uh, so, and I remember in Dragon Age, it seemed like four characters really forced tough choices about who you brought in your party. Yeah. Did I, I Baldur's? Go ahead. I, I would I would say that Baldur's Gate does that just as well. And do you have more than six characters to choose from? Oh, way more. You, I think there was something in the neighborhood of 12 that you could choose from. And, you know, they don't talk or anything, so obviously, you know, dialogue trees aren't a big issue. But um, but as far as party composition, you've got 12 dudes to choose among, and you, you only get six. Like that. Yeah. Okay, nice. And, uh, what? Go ahead. Yeah, and the, you can also, if you played online... There's there was this trick I used to do that my friend showed me where you could start an online game and then rather than playing with other people because I didn't have any friends to play with, <laughs> you could uh, create each character yourself, which I did a number of times. Oh, make a completely new make a party completely of PCs, basically. I think I just lost you for a second. You there? Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. So you would make a party composed completely of, of player characters, basically. Yes. And so Baldur's Gate 1 had online multiplayer support. It did, which I never tried, which I'm really sad about. Uh, but I, I, at the time, I, you know, we had a 56K connection and I didn't have any friends to play with. So. And do you, that's what you get for hanging around with non-gamers, by the way. Yeah. Uh, do you remember uh, would, when somebody joins your game, can they also be leveling up their character or are they just controlling the NPCs? Uh, I, they can bring in their own characters, I'm pretty sure. Man, that's uh, only one of you will be the the main character of the storyline. Right, right. Uh, did Baldur's Gate allow the sort of thing that is common in like Fallout and Dragon Age, where there are multiple solutions to different quests? Like you can talk your way out of some quests, fight your way out of others, and stealth your way through some. Did they do that whole deal? Yes, although it, I I always felt like it felt a bit more organic than it tends to in some modern RPGs. Mm-hmm. Because generally it's either fight your way or talk your way. There's not a whole lot of in between for those two, right. or or steal your way. But you know the stealth mechanics are are pretty simplistic and don't really affect the game that much. Mm-hmm. Like the the thieves have the hide and shadows ability, but it it never seemed very useful to me. Right. Uh, what in the first Baldur's Gate would you get up to a very powerful level? I, I think you get close to level 10 in Baldur's Gate. Baldur's right. Gate 2 starts you at level 8, no matter what level you were at okay. at the end of the other game. And now, finally, did you play uh, the Icewind Dale games? I did. I, or I played the second Icewind Dale game and uh, dabbled with the first one. Now, if I'm not mistaken, aren't those more like... They emphasize more the sort of hardcore tactical party combat aspect rather than the storytelling, is that correct? I mean, I know there's a story in Icewind Dale, but isn't it more notoriously a, a combat-intensive game? It, it is, although I would say that um, the the 
mechanics of Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale are almost indistinguishable. Okay. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, there's the the story elements to Icewind Dale too, in particular, are kind of a lot more linear than uh, than they would be in Baldur's Gate. And now also, since you didn't play D&D, like the fact that all of this is drawn from the Forgotten Realms canon, that probably didn't mean much to you. No, it didn't mean anything to me. And in fact, I, 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 I have looked at some of the books in the bookstores and, and have been put off by them. <laughs> you mean like, like, like novels and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. There's lots of Forgotten Realms, Realms novels, and I forget the author's name who's particularly famous for writing those. But and you say you were put up, did you actually try to read one? I, I looked at the covers and I ju- I totally judged them by their covers. <laughs> well, I want to talk a bit about uh, some of the games that you've played this year okay. uh, because, uh, as I mentioned before, we started recording. Andrew Myers, 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 the one who's the one who posts under the name Talisker. He's right. been setting up uh, an elimination round. Uh, uh, based on, we, we nominate games and now we're down to the finalists. By the time this is recorded, uh, the first round of finalists will have been voted on. Yeah. But I, I want to compare notes with you, Gabe, about what we have chosen in each of the brackets. Are, are you ready for this? Sure, let's, let's hear it. Okay, let me, uh, look up the list here. So, uh, by the way, using your, uh, post count and your time on the board, that gives you a certain amount of points to right. throw into nominations. Did, did you nominate anything? I, th- I think I did. Is this the the sort of catch-all thread for just like best game of the year, or is this the one with categories? There were a few of them. No, there were no categories. This okay. was the catch-all where you had to b- uh, bold face your choices. Right, right, okay. So what what did you nominate, or did you? I, I think I nominated uh, Batman: Arkham Asylum. Okay. And Red Faction: Guerrilla. Okay, good. I think those were the two that I I nominated, and I am ki- I I kind of just did it on a whim. Because those were the only two I could think of when I... <laughs> Gabe, you're supposed to put thought into these things and yeah. pour exhaustively over lists and what. Yeah. You're doing well, it wrong. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I didn't play, uh, you know, that many new games this year, I don't think. I mean, I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty, but... Well, let's see how the bracket goes. Oh, well, so you know Call of Duty didn't even make the finalists, so there. <laughs> now, when you say Call of Duty, you mean Modern Warfare 2, right? Yes, yes, yes. Right, okay. Which I only play in multiplayer. I, I refuse to touch the single player. Come on, you can be a terrorist. You can uh, massacre people in an airport. Oh, yeah. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to do with my Friday night. Okay, so I'm going to guess in the first bracket is Dragon Age Origins versus Braid. What would you pick there? Okay, well, I, I never played Braid, and I played... Uh, about ten hours of Dragon Age Origins. So I'm gonna go with Braid. <laughs> Whoa, are, you're you're just pulling my leg, right? Seriously? I don't I I don't know. I I, I don't like. <laughs> or would you abstain? Game. If you would abstain, that's okay as well. Okay, I'm gonna go with abstain. I okay. Can't make a choice there. Uh, first of all, I don't. Braid is so last year. You can't. These people putting Braid in 2009. That just just on that principle alone. And, and even though I respect Braid a lot, it didn't really work for me. I'm picking Dragon Age Origins. So you're gonna abstain. I go with Dragon Age. Okay, now here's a, here's a uh, tough one. F- well, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum or Gratuitous Space Battles. I'll bet I know what you're going to say. I'm going to go with Batman. As as am I. I love Gratuitous Space Battles, but I thought Batman was just so good at what it did. And it was... Uh, are you a comic book guy, by the way? Uh, yes. So basically. as a comic book guy, like I, I can imagine that Batman Arkham Asylum must have just been a really... Just a breath of fresh air to see so much atmosphere put into a superhero. Uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty excellent, uh, boss fights excluded. 
Ah, right. You and boss fights. Yeah. No, I'm with you on boss fights. Uh, uh, you've suddenly gone very pixelated. I don't know. If, uh, pixelated. Okay, I'll try to. Oh, you fixed it, sir. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next bracket: uh, Assassin's Creed Two versus Uniwar. Oh boy. Okay, so I played ten minutes of Assassin's Creed Two, <laughs> and none of Uniwar. I don't even know what that is. It's okay to abstain. Uh, Uniwar, by the way, an iPhone game. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with Assassin's Creed 2 on that one. As would I. Uh, okay, here now here's a tough one for me. Uh, Demon's Souls, the, the PS3 RPG, or Dawn of Discovery, an epic uh, PC city builder. Okay, this is this is just the saddest uh, interview ever because I don't know <laughs> I don't know any of these games. Again, I, mean, I know what they. I've read about them, but I just haven't played any of them. So I'm going to abstain again. And you know what? A tip of the hat to you for abstaining rather than just picking something because you like the idea of it better. So, yeah. Uh, I think I had to go with Dawn of Discovery. They're both amazing games, but that, that was the Sophie's Choice uh, one. So here's another one. I don't. You might have played neither of these. Did you play Brutal Legend or Solium Infernum? I didn't. I really want to play Solium Infernum, though. There's a lot of us on the forum with it. I, so. I haven't uh, gotten around to throwing down $30 on it, though. So you can abstain on this one if you'd yes, like. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and abstain. Uh, I actually, Brutal Legend was my favorite thing of the year, so I ended okay. up picking that. All right, so yeah. here's one that I know. So you don't have a PS3, do you? I, I have an Xbox 360, but no PS3. Okay, and this next one then, I know exactly how you're going to vote. It's Red Faction Guerrilla versus Ratchet and Clank, A Crack in Time. I'm going to go with Red Faction Guerrilla. Uh, I actually went with A Crack in Time, even though I adore both of those games. Mm-hmm. Uh but Red Faction Guerrilla was so good, wasn't it? It was it was really good, and I, I played it on uh, Xbox when it came out, but I only rented it, and I wanted to wait till it came out on PC. And uh, I, I ended up buying it on PC and playing the multiplayer, which I never got to try on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's it's excellent. It's great. But yeah. nobody's playing. Nobody oh, playing. is that true? That's so and sad. Especially oh. because it's GF or GF oh. L or whatever the hell. Yeah, games for live windows. Oh, games for live windows, yeah. But it's uh it's 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 really cool. Yep. I wish people were playing. I wish there were servers cuz people could do some great stuff with it. Well, you know why they're not playing? It's cuz they're all they're all dudes like you playing Modern Warfare 2 instead. Well, this was when it came out though for PC. <laughs> Nobody was playing Modern Warfare 2 and I'm That's you know true. I'm playing Modern Warfare 2 on PC as well, and I, you know, I still hate matchmaking, but at least there's people playing to matchmake with. Right. But when you have nobody playing in a matchmaking environment, it's just, it's impossible. Oh, that's so sad. I wonder if that's the case on Xbox Live. I would hate to think that that that, that multiplayer community dried up because they did really cool things, the way that the backpacks and the weapons interacted. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. Yeah. I know All right. That's okay. No, in a colloquial, in a, in a, in a Informal conversation, you can talk about fun all you want. I'm all for it. So okay. Super fun, then. Is <laughs> Super my, fun. That's my review of Red Faction Gorilla. <laughs> all right, this next one, again, I'm guessing you might not have played either of these. Uh, Warhammer, or Dawn of War 2, or Borderlands? Okay, I played Borderlands, mm-hmm. and, I, and I like it. I, I like Borderlands. So. I love Borderlands. Yeah, I, I don't just like the, I You know what? Borderlands is super fun. It is super fun. <laughs> Have you gotten any of the uh, downloadable content? I haven't, and uh, I, I, you know, I kind of put it down for Modern Warfare Two. I think so. I, I'll probably end up going back to it in a couple months. But um, do you play it online, or are you playing it as a solo game? 
uh, Borderlands. Borderlands. Yeah. I, I was playing it mostly solo. I played with one quarter to three guy very briefly, whose name I forget. Sorry. I, I love it solo, but it, it really does cool things when you're playing. Co- I mean, it's you know, it's like Diablo. Diablo is great alone, but when you get other people in Diablo, it just yeah. the, the super funness of it increases yeah. exponentially. So. Yeah. We had a really weird experience when we were playing online. Um, we we would come to these camps of people who you would you really couldn't kill. They mm-hmm. were we were like level fifteen and and thirteen respectively, I think, and. Uh, there would be like level 16 uh, bandits or whatever, and they were just unkillable. I would be shooting them in the head over and over again. Nothing would happen. It, it does weird things in, I think specifically when you are doing co-op, where it's leveling the dudes, and there, there are times where it, it really does kind of lock you out of certain missions and parts yeah. of the game, and it's not clear why or when that happens. Yeah, yeah it's it's strange. And there was another area where it was the complete opposite and everything would just basically dissolve in front of our eyes as we were shooting them, so... So the, the downloadable content, they released one that, uh, I forget what the name of it is, it's just basically co-op, it's horde mode from Gears of War, right. uh, which seems cool, but I, I don't like the way, you, you don't really get any, it's just a grind, and the right. only reward for it is at the very end of the grind, and part of what's so cool about Borderlands is that you're getting drops and rewards as you play. Right. They're so good about doling out those carrots, which is like why Diablo works, mm-hmm. so that 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 horde mode downloadable content is terrible because it, okay. it screws up. But they have one called the Island of Dr. Zombie Island of Dr. Ned or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm playing through that right now and I love that. So I, I heartily recommend that downloadable content. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't bought a whole lot of downloadable content in my life. It's something I just kind of puts me off. I don't know why. Well, it's, you know, it, for me, I, if I don't finish a game, like I don't really want to get downloadable content until right. I've run out of things to do, and exactly, it takes a while to get there with it. Any with most good games, uh, so well, I'm, I voted even though I quite like Dawn of War two, I voted Borderlands as well. So right. we see eye to eye there. And then finally, uh, this is a weird pairing: uh, Pinball Hall of Fame, the Williams Collection, what? or yeah, there you go. <laughs> it it really is gave an incredible pinball sim i mean okay. they if you have any fondness for pinball games and even if you don't yeah. uh, this can impart that fondness upon you uh, <laughs> okay they, they just did a really good job if it, it's just an amazing bit of work i love the pinball collection uh that or torchlight okay i just bought torchlight in the crazy steam sale so i'm gonna abstain until i play that okay i i actually went for uh the pinball collection torchlight I really like, in principle, what they're doing, but I, I don't know if it's a difficulty curve thing, or but, but Torchlight just feels so... It, it's just I'm moving too smoothly through it. Maybe I need to right. bump up the difficulty or something. Yeah, I, I, a couple of people have said you should start on hard, and I'm going to do that when I when I finally get down to it. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good idea. Uh, do you ever do anything like play... You ever play any Diablo hardcore? Uh, like where, where, you know, with the, with the permadeath, if you lose a character? That you know, that's always fan, uh, fascinated me, but I've I've never actually done it. I would I would I'd like to try it at some point, but I I, rec- I think it adds a whole when, when you increase the stakes like that, it, yeah. it just it changes up the gameplay so effectively. Yeah. Uh, so I, so you can do that. One of the cool things about Torchlight, and I haven't tried it, and I, right. I, I feel like I'm being a little unfair to say this about the game when I haven't tried it. But in Torchlight, right from the get go, you can play at a hard level with permadeath, and and in Diablo, you had to always unlock that. Right. So. That sounds kind of fun. I'm I'm definitely into to hardcore things like that. I'm just a hardcore kind of guy. Right. Well, 
there you go. When you jump into Torchlight, you know, it doesn't have to be your, your, and, and, well, that's another thing too about Torchlight is I don't, there's no randomization, I don't think. So, yeah, it's, a, it's not one of those tile based, it's not like a Diablo thing where it's, it's generating tile based levels. I don't think. Right. Uh, so when you play through on hardcore and you die, you know, at third level, you're basically playing over the same content over and, and over each time. I don't uh, know. I could be wrong yeah. about that. Uh, yeah, it sounds like one of those things I'll do once and make a stupid mistake and die and be like, uh, never doing that again. <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, rather than being something you want to jump right back into and replay, it, it gets frustrating. Uh, Have you uh, looked back at Arma since you're, uh, you're sort of eviscerating of it when it came out? I gave them, uh, let's see, so I, I played it when it first came out, it did the evisceration you're talking about, and then... Uh, I think looked at it again after maybe three patches mm-hmm. uh, and w- ran into some of the same scripting bugs with the campaign right. uh, and haven't touched it since, which I, I, you know, I know they've done more work on it. Maybe they've patched up the campaign, but I just got so frustrated uh, with with how it didn't work. But no, I have not gone back. Is that something you're playing? Uh, it's something I'm considering playing, uh, but... RPS uh, Rock Paper Shotgun just did a write up on it that that kind of intrigued me to try out the multiplayer, but I, I I've owned it since it came out and thought it was kind of cool and extremely hardcore. Well, you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna sit here and tell me as you have, and I'm I'm with you there that you're a hardcore guy, you definitely should try uh, the Arma multiplayer. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm looking at. And it, it can be very frustrating because mm-hmm. it's not going to hold your hand and it's not easy to jump into. And I hear people talking about uh, there's there's a new uh, uh, multiplayer-oriented shooter on the PS3 called Mag. Right. And I hear people complain in that about how when you respawn, oh, it takes five minutes to get where the battle is and then you just mm-hmm. get killed. And, I mean, people have such a low threshold yeah. for anything that's perceived as a setback. And Arma is full of that, and it's yeah. better for it, I think. Yeah, it, it, uh, it definitely is. Uh, you have to be in the mood for it, though. Right. You know what? You're right, exactly. It takes a very specific kind of mindset. You have to be willing to tolerate it, and you do have to be in the mood for it. it like, well, you know, with Modern Warfare 2, mm-hmm. it's so good about, you know, you spawn in, and you're right in the action. You know, right. there's, there's never a dull moment. Mm-hmm. But for me, dull moments are important because they yeah. make non-dull moments that much more important. Yeah. It's uh, all about pacing. I played uh, in the first Modern Warfare, Search and Destroy mode was my favorite. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. I and love they, that. They kind of ruined it this time by uh, limiting the number of players to six. I, I I can't really get into it because the sort of action-y periods aren't a big enough payoff for the setbacks that you face. Wait, six players? Yeah, it's only six. You can only. It's insane. I know. It's, they need a ground war version of Search and Destroy. I think. Really oh my bad. god, That's just, that misses the point completely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Okay. Yeah. It's like playing Counter Strike with six people. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Uh, it's funny. Uh, EA is just releasing a, a game called Army of Two, uh, which I've been having to play, and uh, you know their multiplayer is limited to eight. You know, they've got all these cool, like, capture and defend modes and, uh, and eight players. I'm thinking, I mean, I kind of like when there are fewer players like that, your contribution feels more meaningful, but, you know, there's something about these, these special modes with capturing and defending territory where it, it really feels like it needs more people in there. You know, a little chaos. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, all right, uh, Gabe, I'm going to ask you a completely random question that's unrelated to anything we've talked about. Great. Are you ready for this? I'm so ready. What do you call those little spiky 
porcupine fruits, and and what do they taste like? Spiky porcupine fruits. You know, they're like little. They look like little blowfish. Haven't you ever seen those in the store? They've got like little spikes sticking out of them. Does this oh, not, you live in L.A. Yeah. I think it's a. I think it might be a. Uh, like uh, I want to <laughs> sound incredibly racist, but I think it might be like a Latino kind of thing. Like oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what those are called. I can't remember. All right. Well, you fail. No, <laughs> that, that's actually as long as you answer the question uh, saying you don't know. Uh, I think and I might be wrong. I think they're are they called like lychees or lychees? Oh, right, right, right. The, those are the, I think those are those are an Asian fruit. Right? Oh, OK. Well, there you go. I'm racist against the wrong group. So <laughs> uh, have you ever had one? I have actually. They're quite tasty. Like sweet? Uh, yeah. I guess they're a fruit. They must be. Yeah, they have a, a, a kind of bizarre sort of fleshy texture. If if it's lychee, if that's what you're talking about. Uh, if they're yeah yeah, I don't know. I might be. Yeah. Those might not even be spiky. I might be confusing the word with the, the different fruit. I don't. I don't. Well, lychee is very interesting. I don't know if that's what we're talking about, but it, it has like a sort of a a a white pinkish color and and uh, has. Uh, kind of a, a pretty sweet taste and it has kind of a weirdly fleshy uh, texture to it. Why did you eat one? Uh, somebody brought them from uh, uh, into work once when I was working at uh, Electronic Arts. You worked at Electronic Arts? Oh yeah, I tested uh, mobile games. I was a QA, uh, QA tester. Ah, that sounds terrible <laughs> is that as terrible as it sounds um you know it was i i worked at activision and uh, a place called 2020 before that that was the best of the three testing mobile games because you're on a different game every day almost ah because there's not that much content to test basically is that the deal yeah there's not a ton of content in the games especially <laughs> for the low end like if you're on a really low end phone you're probably going to have a painful day that's that was kind of my experience and uh, I ended up getting laid off last year, which was kind of great, actually. So, were you having to do like a graveyard shift or anything, or just regular nine to five? No, I, was, I was working nine to five. I got promoted uh, once, and then demoted myself to to go to community college for a bit, where I met uh, Gordon Cameron, actually. Ah, yes, you've yeah. met Gordon Cameron. Okay. Well, then that's another reason. Why the heck haven't you ever come to shoot club with us? Gordon's a regular. Yeah, you know, it was weird. I think in when I first asked about uh, getting an account with Quarter to Three, I emailed you and told you that uh, I had a class with Gordon and that I saw him browsing Quarter to Three where I was merely lurking and didn't want to introduce myself to explain to him that I lurk at the same forum that he's an active member of because I just <laughs> thought it was like kind of weird way to introduce yourself. And I actually never ended up like. In coming out of the quarter to three closet with Gordon in person while we were taking a class together. So, Well, hopefully before you run off to Chicago to hang out with your cool English girlfriend, you can uh, come visit me and Gordon sometime. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, so real quick, you did Q&A. Uh, can, you, can you say or even are, – are you allowed to say like what games you might have tested or is that – well, yeah. Since they've since they've been all been released, I I, I can. I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay. So, what what games have you tested? Okay. So I when I started at Activision, I tested Rome Total War. Oh. And then uh, after that, I tested uh, the expansion pack for Rome Total War, the Barbarian Invasion, before Sega took it from us. Mm-hmm. And then I tested uh, X Men Legends. Mm, okay. Uh, two X Men Legends Two: Rise of the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. uh, and then I tested um, Quake Four on Xbox 360, and then I uh, sat in a room and played Gun after it came out until I got laid off 
or else. <laughs> just kidding. Not not for testing, or you mean for, for you were testing well, done? All the projects for that year had basically been done. A couple people were moved off into you know the smaller teams that start on the new projects, and then the rest of us were just thrown into a pool that was basically like, you're going to get laid off, or we're going to look at your review and decide that we want you for the next project. So you're but, kind of hanging fire with nothing to do. Yeah, exactly. So, and, you know, I probably at that point could have, like, proven myself to be a worthwhile person, but kind of, I just didn't. I was just, like, I was far too tired at that point of working at Activision to, to do that, so. Now, uh, of those games, which one was the most difficult, like, the most tedious to be doing Q&A for? Uh, uh, QA was probably the worst on Rome Total War. It was the most fun to test and the least fun to test simultaneously, because I would end up being on the localization team and we would run through these checklists and we would, you know, you would get like the Italian language build of Rome Total War and you would have to take your general and go around the map and get into a battle because they in, in that game they had pre-battle speeches that the generals would give yep. and they were all context sensitive. So if you were like, if it was a rainy day and you were Rome and you were fighting Carthaginians, that would all get rolled into the speech and you would have to <laughs> test that. So you'd, you'd go around the map and test every possible scenario in Italian. <laughs> so it was kind of insane. I, I, I kind of wanted to shoot something. Yeah, I can imagine. Wow. Yeah. It could have been worse though. I think they're far, like, I, I feel like the people who must have, who had to test like these just terrible throwaway budget rate first person shooters, for instance, just playing over the same content. I mean, even Quake 4, mm-hmm. some people were underwhelmed by that, but yeah. at least, you know, high production values, mm-hmm. uh, I think you could have done far worse. So. Well, you know, I think it's more fun to test bad games because you do, you get to do a better job on them. What do you mean a better job on them? Okay, well, if you've got a game like Quake 4, right. you know, the developers know what they're doing a lot better than, you know, some other people. So, ah. you know, the kind of bugs you find are really low-rate stuff, and you feel kind of inadequate when you're just like, well, there's a little hole here, and you're just like... <laughs> but if you're playing some crappy game, you can offer more presumably helpful, valuable input. Right. Exactly. I see. Right, right. So, you know, I tested um, True Crime Streets of, of L.A., the first one, which is just abysmal, and uh, they're... You know, you would be driving down the street while you're testing this game and your car would like sink into the earth and then shoot <laughs> into the air. And that was like, that was really entertaining. That, was, that made your day as a tester to find I see. those. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, well, now before, oh, so, so real quick, before uh, we go, I want to say everyone listening, go to everything else and you will find a, a forum thread called, what do you call those little spiky porky prime fruits and what do they taste like? If you post an answer in there, Using a word that ends in dash ish, like Gabe, you said a certain fruit was pinkish. Mm-hmm. So anybody who posts in that thread using dash ish in one of their words uh, will go into the drawing for a new game that'll include you, Gabe. Uh, and uh, and that's this week's contest. Now, bef- right after we go, so I'm about to play you out with little butthole surfers. <laughs> Right after that, stick around because I'm going to pause, and then since you said you'd be willing to do it, I'm going to hold you to this, Gabe. Okay, uh, I, I want to hear a little bit of, of what your music sounds like. So okay. uh, so everyone, stick around after the Butthole Surfers. Gabe, thank you so much for talking to me. It was very cool to get to meet you. I hope to get to meet you in person. Sweet. 
And next week, come on back and we will have Trigger Cut here talking about the Fatal Frame games. So thank you, everyone, and goodbye. Hi, this is Gabe Lewis, and I'm going to play you a song called This Old Room, which uh, is going to be available in recorded form sometime in the next month. Jackson.